figuring that out. How how much do you all think this this glass of water weighs? Just guess. How much? Maybe eight ounces. So whatever that weighs, I don't know. So holding it, I don't know. Why don't you come be my helper a minute? Hold, I want you just to hold it out there with your hand. It's not too hard, right? Just keep holding it. So as she's holding, don't drop it. <laughs> so as she's holding it, if time proceeds forward and you're still holding it after about an hour, it, it, yeah, what about after two hours and six hours? It's going to seem heavier than what it is right now, right? There's a weight that becomes weighty the longer you hold on to it, right? Thank you. So what I want to talk to us tonight about is weights. And uh, I really felt like the Holy Spirit was just imparting something in my heart this week about carrying weights and how there's purpose for some things that we go through. Not that God puts anything on us. The word says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but he will deliver us out of them all, all, right? And, you know, Pastor Steve talked about it on Sunday. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're, you are with me. We go through the valley. We don't stop and hang out and, and, and focus on what's wrong, right? We, we, go, we walk through things, right? So there's things that we walk through, we go through. And, um, and just like holding that glass of water, the longer we hold on to it, not only is it a weight, but it becomes weighty, right? Okay, and so this baggage that I brought up here, um, this one, you know, I made this the biggest one because it's the cares. Most of us have cares. And then these are representing thoughts. And I could have had many more. Uh, and this is just what the Lord told me to do. And this one is ambitions. So there's some things that might necessarily, might not be completely positive or, you know, not necessarily negative, but they're just things that occupy our mind, things that we're having to deal with, whether it be finances or um, I think finances is one of the biggest things that we carry, right? Probably money, bills, those kinds of things, relational things, um, you know, job things, uh, health issues, these kinds of things. And then there's just the thoughts. How many have lots of thoughts? They're just coming at us at all times, right? Just what do I do about this? What do I do about that? And then there's the positive one about we have some ambitions, some desires, some hopes, some things that we want to do, some goals, some dreams that are in our life. And I know with us that a lot of times these ambitions that we are always occupied with can become a weight. How many have ever experienced that? Yeah? Am I the only one? <laughs> so... I went on a trip last year. I was blessed to go with my, my brother and my sister-in-law to go to Europe with them. And I went with two bags. That was my limit. And then while I was there, I acquired uh, enough junk that I had to buy another bag. Because, <laughs> of course, I had to bring T-shirts home to all my kids and all the things and my grandkids. So I had to buy a bag. And guess what? I had to finagle and try to figure out how I was going to get that many bags home and it not cost me. And, you know, sometimes when we have too much baggage, it costs us. 
it can cost us. And we don't realize uh, when we're carrying cares, when we're carrying baggage, when we're holding on to weights, that things become weightier than what they should. Even well-meaning thoughts, even well-meaning things that we're preparing and doing with our lives and trying to make plans for our future, those things can become weighty and become heavy on our hearts, right? And the word talks about it. We're going to get into it here in Hebrews. But there's a, where's my husband? I need you. He's my weightlifter. I told him to get his weights out. So he has weights up here because he works out every day. Every day, yes, he's very diligent to work out. And he has them up here so because he's mad at the LA Fitness because too many people are there working out now. So, <laughs> so he brought his own, bought his own weights. Maybe I'll use Levi. So, because uh, I don't know where my husband is. Um, anyway, so there's a difference in lifting weights and carrying them. I'm going to illustrate this, or Levi will. So, do you know how to do those? I don't know how. My husband knows how. Where is he? They're adjustable. So, lift a weight, maybe. Is that heavy? Okay. Okay, so pretend you're lifting weights like you're doing something. I was going to, I asked Hayden, my son, to be here, but he was. He was busy. So, okay, now, no, I'm not done. So now I want you to, I want you to carry that weight. Carry it. Is it heavy? I want it to be heavy. <laughs> Keep carrying it. Keep carrying it. What if you had both weights in your hand? No, 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 no. Two hands. And then I'm, yeah, it's really heavy now, right? Oh, wow. How heavy is it? Everybody ask, how heavy is it? It's weighty, right? So I'm going to use my husband's illustration. He did this before. So what if uh, I were to come up to you and just pop you in the stomach? Okay. <laughs> but you can't defend yourself, right? You, you, you would be carrying this weight instead, and it would be difficult to defend or do anything to guard off anything that's coming at you. You can put it down. So my point is, when we're carrying weights, not just lifting, not just thinking about something and setting it down, because we can't go around mindless about stuff. We got to think about our bills, right? We got to think about relationships. We got to think about things. But we're not just to carry them around. We, we deal with them with wisdom, with understanding, and by the Spirit, and then we set it down. And we're going to talk about this, but... Um, there's a difference between lifting weights and carrying them. When weights are carried, they become weighty to our spirit, our soul, and our body, and can bring great damage. So Hayden, uh, our, my eldest son, lifts weights often, and we, he was saying the other day that um, he hadn't lifted in about a month. And I was wondering, because I could kind of tell <laughs> that he was kind of deflating a little bit. And, uh, you know... And uh, he said, well, what happened was every time I've been lifting, something's been going on in my, my lungs. My back's been hurting. And so he felt like he needed to rest from lifting. Now, right there is just a physical example of what we have to do spiritually. We have to rest from hanging on to weights, from lifting weights, right? Because it can do damage to our spirit, to our body. You can actually carry enough weight in your emotions and in your heart, and things can become heavy, so much so that it affects your patience, it affects your temperament, it affects your anger level, right? 
It affects your rest place, your resting place in the spirit. And so if you're carrying all this stuff all the time, you're thinking on it all the time, I don't care if it's a good thing. Ambitions. How many have some ambitions? I know everyone probably should here, and probably all of us do. But we have goals and dreams and desires. But if we're always thinking about those things, that's what's driving us. That's what's making us want to, uh, to, to move forward every day. Then that's occupying our mind. And we're going to talk about this, what the Word says about this. So I want to encourage you. It's not what you go through, but it's how you go through it, Right? That's what makes the difference. That determines the outcome. So you might be going through something right now, and de determine, what determines the outcome is based, is based on how much you're carrying the care of it, right? And I'm not going to talk about cares. I'm not, not going to talk about any of that. I want to talk about weights and what the Word of God talks about uh, with weights. So how many know when you, when you lift weights, there's a person, if you do it correctly, I don't do this, but... I don't lift weights like my son or my husband, but my, my sons, both of my sons. But if you do, if you lift weights correctly, so like if you're laying on your back and you're lifting weights, you should have a person there. What's that person called? You guys know. You're, you, you have a spotter. Okay, so we may have to press through some things that are weighty, but the Holy Spirit's job, he's our spotter. He's our spotter. We don't have to do it by ourselves. So I looked this up, just wanted to know, like, what's the job of a spotter? Of course, we know what he does, but there's three specific things. I didn't know if y'all knew that. There's three specific things that a spotter does. To be a good spotter, you need to know proper hand placement. Did y'all know that? Have the ability to keep an eye on the person performing the lift to ensure safety and be prepared and have the strength to lift a portion of the weight if needed. Now, there's some real specific things here we can look at in the Spirit because the Holy Spirit knows exactly how to get you through something. He knows exactly how you need to put your hands on something. He knows exactly what you need to be saying out of your mouth by faith to get you through something. He knows exactly where it needs to go and how it needs to go, and he's watching over you to make sure you're doing it right. And at the moment when you're thinking that you're going to fail in lifting, he, you yell out at him, he's able, he's able, I said he's able to come in and intervene and spot you right out of that lifting, that heavy weight. He's able to reach in and pull it up off of your neck so you don't kill yourself, right? And so I thought, you know, it's really cool how God knows what we need. But do we know what we need? Do we call on our help when we need him? We have the Holy Spirit living on the inside, dwelling on the inside. He's our helper. He's our guide. He's our strengthener. He's our comforter. He's our advocate. How many things is he? He's everything. Jesus said, it's better that I go so that he can come. And it, the one translation says, it's to your advantage. What does that mean, it's to my advantage? It, it's like, it, it also says, the scripture says, there is another just like me that will come and be here to help you. And so the Holy Spirit is there to help you. And I want to encourage you, when you're going through a tough time, instead of feeling all wrought up, how many have ever gone through something physically, or you're going through weighty time, and then physically you're feeling that, that feeling, that anxious, wrought up feeling like, I don't think I can do this. 
that's when you need to call on your spotter. And this is going to come back to your remembrance, I promise you, when you're going through something the next time. Because you're going to remember what we talked about tonight. Because when it becomes tough and that weight is heavy, when it's weighty, you're going to say, okay, Holy Spirit, you're my spotter. You're going to help me. All right? So, carrying weights can be frustrating. Just, did you see Levi? I could see it in his face. He was, he, I said, how does it feel? It's heavy. And I kept pressing him a little bit because I wanted him to produce some frustration. <laughs> and he did a little bit. He kind of got frustrated. He didn't get mad at me, but I could tell he was, it was heavy. And it was weighty. And the frustration was coming. And what happens when the frustration comes? We get in the flesh. And the flesh and the spirit war against one another. They, they are uh, against one another. And there's a place where we can walk in, in the spirit, with the help of our spotter. Even when we're going through something, we're lifting some heavy weights where he can intervene and help us through those times. If we will call on him. The problem is most of us don't call on him, right? And so let's look at this, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. I don't know if we've got, yes, I've got help back there. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Uh, I might, for time's sake, go directly to the Amplified version there, if you have it up there. Therefore, then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, they've already seen it, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance. What's an encumbrance? It's an unnecessary weight. And that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to, to and entangles us. Notice that it clings to us. It entangles us. It's a distraction to us. And let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief and is also its finisher, bringing it into maturity and perfection. Aren't you glad you're being matured and perfected? And you know what? What's required to have muscle is lifting weights, eating right, lifting weights. What's required to be perfected and have endurance in our lives? Going through a few things, right? And when we go through those things, turning to the answer, and the answer is what enables us, our spotter enables us to get through successfully, and at the end, we have some spiritual muscle, right? All right, so who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief, and is also its finisher, bringing it into maturity and perfection? He, for the joy of obtaining the prize, Jesus, that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of, th of the throne of God. Now, I want to get into some details on this scripture, because we've read this probably multiple times. I don't know about you, but I have. But this looking away from signifies undivided attention, looking away from all distractions in order to fix one's gaze on an object. So I I, when I read the scripture, and we've talked about this before, and I'm, I'm getting to practice this right now because there's some things that are trying to distract me right now. How many have some distractions in your life? And when those things pop up in your heart and in your memory, immediately I look away from it. I look away from it. I, I, like it, I liken it to how my daughter, our daughter, uh, she has three children right now. 
on four on the way. And when she, uh, I like when she's disciplining her kids and they come to her, you know, Liam, especially he's really distracted and he's just all over the place. And she'll say, look into my eyes, look into my eyes. I'm talking to you. And she'll hold his chin, look into my eyes. And they are completely focused on what she's saying. That's the way it has to be for us. When we're going through something, when something's trying to pull on our heart and make us sad or make us uncomfortable or make us impatient or frustrated like Levi was carrying those weights, we have to look into his eyes and not be distracted by the stuff, not be distracted by the cares, not be distracted by what might seem to be a lie from the enemy. Because the lies will convince you that they're the truth the more you look at them. The more you look at them, the more you talk about them, the more you magnify them, they become an, an altar, an idol, like I talked about on whenever it was, Saturday, Sunday. And it becomes a focus. And what you magnify is what grows. What you're feeding is what's growing in your life. And so it's important. You're not feeding the lie. You're feeding the answer. And your eyes are looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. You're looking into his eyes. So the word weight from the Greek word agkos, O-G-K-O-S, is a word that describes a burden or something so heavy and cumbersome that it impedes a runner from running his race as he should. Now, I'm just going to kind of read some of this. This is from Rick, directly from Rick Renner. He's a Greek scholar, and I love what he says about this. I think it's very pertinent to understand what it means about running your race and carrying weight. This word was particularly used in the athletic world to signify the actions of an athlete who would deliberately strip himself of excess weight before participating in a competition. Now, I was never in any kind of competitive sports like that when I was a kid, but I've heard, you know, like with wrestlers and different ones, that they have to be a certain weight to be able to compete, right? And I've heard of them even saying either they have to gain or lose a certain amount because they have to be the right weight to be able to compete uh, competitively and accurately in their league or whatever. And so that's kind of what this is talking about. And, you know, he's writing this. He's looking at those, those games that they used to play and those races they used to run and comparing it to us. To, and he's telling us about we're carrying weights. We're running a race. How many are in a race? We're in a race right now. We're almost to the end, and we're about to finish this race. And this race is a race of faith. And it's not being moved by what we see, what we feel, or what we hear. But it's only being moved by what the truth of the word says. So we got to get rid of all those extra weights. So this stripping process included the loss of excess flesh through dieting and exercise. There's the big bad word, diet. Then on the day of the actual competition, he stripped off nearly all his clothes so no extra weight could slow him down. He had his eyes on the prize, so he was determined to strip off all weight that might potentially keep him from being the best athlete he could. How many weigh yourself every morning? You don't have to put your hand up. It's a rhetorical question. Oh, you do? But uh, if you weigh yourself, you probably do this. You probably strip off all your clothes. If you don't, you're not weighing accurately. And you're just there in your birthday suit weighing to find out how much you really weigh. 
And, you know, maybe you get on with a pair of pants. You're like, nope, that's not good enough. And you take those pants off. And then you're like, okay, nope, I'm going to take my shirt off. And I'm going to get on that, that scale and find out what I really weigh. Because this is really important. This is what he's talking about. I'm getting rid of all the weights so that I can find out who I really am. And this is what's important about our identification with Christ is we've got to strip off all the junk in the world that's trying to attach itself to us to make us think that we're something that we're not because who we are is hidden in Christ. And when we find out who we are in Christ, that's the biggest release of weight that we can ever have and we can run our race accurately and be confident in who we are in Christ. Not, not in an egotistical way, but confident because we know who we are in him and we know what we have in and through him and we know what we can do through him because we can do all things through Christ, amen? So the athlete of the ancient world didn't become unweighted by accident. No, he didn't do it by accident. He dropped all excess weight on purpose. How many have ever dropped weight by accident? Woo, wouldn't that be wonderful? Hallelujah. Maybe in heaven. I don't know. But I don't know of very many people that have lost weight by accident. No, you do it on purpose. He dropped all excess weight on purpose. He dieted. He exercised. This is, uh, sermon is not about dieting and exercise. And he shed every other unnecessarily necessary weight he could find to shed. This stripping process demanded his attention. It demanded a, a decision and his devotion. His attention a decision, and his devotion. It sounds like he did some things intentionally, right? There's my word, intentional, intentional living. It wasn't going to happen by accident, so he had to initiate the process of removal. Now, I want to just encourage you, because one of the things that when we're removing this baggage, these weights, one of the things that the enemy tries to come at us with is bringing condemnation, when we're carrying weights, when we're carrying thoughts and cares, when we're carrying uh, even ambitions, the things that we want to do and want to be with our life, if we're not measuring up, if we're not making the level, if we're not doing what we thought we would do with our lives at the end, guess what comes in? Condemnation. To make us feel like we have not arrived, make us feel like we have not done enough, to make us feel like we could have done more, we could have been better, and woe is me, I've not attained the level that I was supposed to. And that's just condemnation. Now let me read this to you. This is really interesting. I think I have this up there. Um, condemnation is a condemned man, basically. And this is an example of what Roman emperors did. They would attach... Uh, a dead man to a condemned man. So when a man would be condemned, they would attach a dead man. There were two reasons why they would do this, for the weight and the stench. Now, listen, this is really interesting. You know what dead weight does? This term has come down through the generations, and to us it means to carry that which has no benefit or purpose and actually causes harm. However, to the Romans, the term referred to the practice of strapping a dead body to a criminal or a condemned man. They were forced to live out their last few weeks in a walking punishment by carrying a maggot-infested corpse strapped to their bare back during the process of decomposition. It slowly leaked poisons into the criminal, making them sicker and sicker until they finally died a slow, painful, stench-filled death. That's pretty gross, isn't it? But awful. It's a picture of what the enemy does to us. And I want you to get that picture because when you're carrying weight, 
want you to have an understanding. When you're carrying thoughts, when you're carrying cares, when you're carrying ambitions, when you're carrying these things that you're not supposed to carry, you're not graced to carry, you're not anointed to carry these things, then when we're carrying this, this it's a heavy weight that brings condemnation. It has a heaviness. It's weighty. It brings a stench. It brings something to our life that is not godly. When we're carrying cares, when we're carrying weights, when we're carrying even ambitions, it is something in our life that is not of God. And we're not anointed to carry those things. Where Jesus carried everything on his body so that we wouldn't have to. Not just his blood redeemed us, but his body redeemed us. We've heard about this. And his body took it all and did not reject one stripe, not one whipping, not one beating. He did not put his hand up and say, no, no more. I can't take it. He took it all on his body so that we wouldn't have to. We don't have to carry the weight of anything, right? Because Jesus bore it all for me and for you. He bore it. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse of the law and its condemnation. There was a condemnation that came with the curse. By himself, he became a curse for us. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree and is crucified. So he he took it on his body and he allowed his body to be put up because he could have called 10,000 angels and had them come in and rescue him. But he gave in to it and got up on that cross for you and I and became a curse and was hung up on that tree. Because in that day, if you were, if you were, crucif if you were crucified or died on a tree, it was, it was symbolic of a curse. And so he took it upon us or himself, so that we wouldn't have to. He became a curse. He became condemned, so we wouldn't have to be condemned. So I want to encourage you right now. There might be something in your past. Maybe you're feeling condemnation coming up in maybe an area in your life that you've been trying to heal of. If you're focusing on your past, it makes you a prisoner to it. If you're focusing on your past, it makes you a prisoner to it. And anxious thoughts of the future make you despondent and despairing. And feeling hopeless and sad. And that is a prison itself as well. If you're anticipating things in the future with anxiety and frustration, you're thinking ahead about some things. One of my favorite scriptures, and I believe I put it in there, is Proverbs 15, 15. And it says, it says all the days of the desponding and afflicted are made evil by anxious thoughts and forebodings. Do you know what a foreboding is? I have this, I kind of broke this all down. So all the days of the desponding, it means no hope and afflicted, distress or pain are made evil by anxious thoughts or forebodings. Forebodings is to believe in something that hasn't happened, but believing that something awful is going to happen in the future. You're, you're kind of foretelling, you're thinking ahead about it. And you're thinking in a negative way what's going to happen. You're already having anxiety about uh, whatever's coming up. So maybe you have anxiety about flying. You're already thinking about ahead of time. And that anxiety, that's forebodings. Maybe you're thinking about a bill that's coming up. That's a foreboding. Anx anxiety about what has not come yet. Anxiety, yes. But the word says, what's the second half of that? But he who has a glad heart 
has a continual feast regardless of his circumstances. So what is our way of escape here? What is the answer that the, the word is giving us here? It's to have a glad heart, to have a happy heart, to be continually in that place of exchange. We live in an exchange life, y'all. We're living in an exchange life. We don't have to take what's coming at us. We take whatever it is and give it to him and cast it on him. And we live in that place of exchange where it, he's so cute right now. I can't stand it. <laughs> he's looking at me. He's so cute. Hey, <laughs> I got distracted. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So John 14, 1 says, do not let, everybody say let, your, that means you have something to do with it. Do not let your heart be troubled, distressed, agitated. Now, I could just stop there and end. <laughs> Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your heart be distressed or agitated. You believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely on God. Believe, adhere, trust on God. Believe in and adhere and trust and rely also on me, Jesus is saying. Don't surrender your fears, one translation says. Don't surrender your fears to your fears. I'm sorry, it's supposed to be to your fears. So I have control over it. I'm not going to let my heart be troubled. I'm going to let, not let my heart be afraid. But I, what am I going to do? I'm going to focus on peace. John 14, 27, I'm going to go right to the Amplified. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I bequeath to you. Go to the Amplified version, please. The next one. I, maybe I didn't give it to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I now give or bequeath to you. Bequeathing is something that you've inherited. You inherited it because you're a son or a daughter of God. Not as the world gives do, you, do I give to you. It's not like the world's peace because the world's peace comes and goes and it's based on circumstances, right? And it's based on what, whether I'm having a good day or not. That's not the kind of peace he's talking about. He says, do not let, there's the word let, everybody say let. Do not let, that means I have something to do with it. Your hearts be troubled. Neither let, say let, let them be afraid. Stop allowing, allowing means I have something to do with it, right? Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. And do not, here's another word, permit that means I have something to do with it if I've permitted it. Do not permit yourselves to be fearful, intimidated, cowardly, and unsettled. But what are we supposed to do? Isaiah tells us, Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, it says, You will guard him and keep him in perfect peace, perfect and constant peace, whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you because he commits himself to you, leans on you, hopes confidently on you. That's what we're doing. We're leaning. We're confidently trusting in Jesus, in God, our Father. So trust in the Lord. Commit yourself to him. Lean on him. Hope confidently in him forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock, the rock of ages. So there's some things that we have responsibility to do in here. The scripture, we read through this, it says, lean on him, trust in him, hope in him. So sometimes we become complacent in our faith, and we just allow things to happen. We're allowing fear to come in. It says, stop allowing yourself to be agitated. Stop allowing yourself to be afraid. Don't permit it. You might have to turn him around. He's, he's distracting me. He's so cute. 
all these, these words that are coming at us, we're supposed to lean on and trust and be confident, expectation in who he is in our lives. Amen? So trust in the Lord. Commit your ways to him. Lean on him. Hope confidently, expectingly. So I love that scripture. So what I want to bring out here, though, is it says you will guard him and keep him. The Lord will guard us. He will guard our minds. What does the, the word guard means? To watch over it and protect it. So we have a promise that if we're keeping our minds set on him, that there's a guard standing next to our mind and to our heart protecting us. You know, we went to uh, the, what was that place called? The, where the queen is. And they had those guards out there. Yes, Buckingham Palace. And the, they did the whole exchange thing. Oh, man, there's an honor and a respect that takes place there. And you don't cross over the line and you don't do what they tell you. Not, I mean, you got to stand at the side and, you know, stand at attention and do what they tell you to do. And if you don't, they come by with their horses and bark at you and tell you what to do. They're guarding that fence, that, that gate. They're guarding that queen. I felt such an honor, honestly, in the spirit there. Beyond what we have here, there was an honor for the queen and for what she was doing and her position. And there was a guarding of that. There's a guarding of the honor. And I'm just telling you, I think there needs to be a guarding of our mind by keeping our mind fixed on the word of God, on the presence of God and expectation and a trust. And when we have that honor and respect for him in our lives, it does something for our mind. It protects our mind, and it keeps our mind in a place of peace. And Philippians talks about it, Philippians 4, 7. It says, and God's peace. It's not my peace. It's not your peace. It's not the world's peace. It's not peace because I have a nice home or peace because I have a nice car or peace because I've got money in the bank. It's not any kind of peace other than God's peace. God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of soul assured of its salvation, through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and being content with its early lot, earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding will garrison. What is the word garrison? Garrison is a wall. It's a protection. It will garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Jesus. What's the key? The key is for us to allow the, our minds to be fixed, and we just have to get in the Word, being in His presence. And that place allows for the peace of God to guard. You know, peace is a protection. Peace is protection. If it's guarding, what is it guarding against? It's guarding against thoughts. It's guarding against the flesh. It's guarding against what the world is coming at us with. It's guarding against the devil, the enemy. There is an enemy. And he wants to come to steal, kill, and destroy. We need to be aware. Uh, First Peter talks about we need to be aware of the enemy's devices. How are we aware of the enemy's devices? We're not afraid of them because we have power and authority over the enemy in our lives. But we need to be aware of them. How are we aware? We get in the word of God. We, we become familiar with what the word says. So when we start seeing things in our life, like, like uh, McKenna was saying, there was witchcraft and all these things, and you could feel it. She could actually feel the spiritual atmosphere in the places that she was in. 
and I believe it's, it's evident there, but there are places here in the United States and things that the enemy tries to come at us with. When things aren't going well in your home, you need to be aware of the enemy's devices. And what do you need to do? You need to take authority over him. If there's strife, if there's division, if there's lack, if the monies aren't flowing the way they need to, you need to, you need to take authority and say, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over the enemy in my household. You will not have any place. God's given me authority and he's given me a position next to Christ at the right hand, seated by him. And I have authority over the enemy and he's not going to have any place in my family. If there's health issues in your kids, take authority over the enemy. Don't allow it. Don't just play patty cake with the devil. Take authority over him. Don't give him any place in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as we meditate on the word, as we allow our minds to become peaceful and our, our thoughts are set on him, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is part-time. No, it's stayed. It's fixed on him. Because why? Because we trust in him. We know who he is. We know what he's capable of. And we know he's our redeemer. He's our deliverer. Amen? Did you get something out of this? Praise God. It was a quick word, but I believe. So remember, even though the weight might be light, if you're hanging on to it very long, it becomes weighty. And we're not equipped to carry weights. So recognize those weights, cast them off, and receive the peace of God in Jesus' name. Father, we just...